It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Excuse me, Veronica. Yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome back to the Pants Party. I am your host, Harrison Starr, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Ben Ross. Ben, it's been a minute. I have a list of things that have happened since we last talked. Yeah, shoot them off. Welcome to our Timely Sports Podcast. Alrighty, so so here it is. Things that happened. Uh, National Signing Day. Uh, My son got COVID. Betty White died. Iowa lost to Kentucky. You got COVID. Yep. Christina and I went to a movie. Uh, Iowa went four and one in basketball, including Iowa fans' last alliance, hopefully with the Brad Davison experience. I learned how to pronounce Xavier Wonkpa. Brian Ferentz with rumors, question mark. I haven't broken my New Year's resolution yet, and Bob Saget died. So it, it's been a minute, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's all, where have you been making this list? Signing Uh, day, I like, didn't even realize that, God, that was so long ago. I know, I know, I I literally just came up with it, because I was, oh, I think, another thing that I should add, I, I called you for the very first time, and we spoke on the phone. That's not true, you called me on Halloween. I called you on Halloween, too, you're right, I did do that. Uh, Wait, Um, when did you call me the second time? Or did you call me? No. I can't remember. We, oh, we had another phone conversation. I think I it was. I have no recollection. Okay. All right. It might have been about. Was um, this on New Year's Day? Our favorite tequila. No. It was. Oh, you did call me about been... tequila. Yeah. 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 It was that about was tequila. It. Yeah. Um, Fortaleza. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. Uh, Highly what recommend. happened to no free ads? Hey, for <laughs> things like that. Yeah. <laughs> for, 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 for niche alcohol. That I don't know yeah, if I'm absolutely. gonna yeah can afford. I guess that's just the way it goes. Um, so I think maybe the place to start is just catching up, man. How you been? You went to Minnesota. You came back. What was your maybe favorite Christmas present if you got one to give or receive? Uh, favorite present I gave by far was I gave my parents a, a down payment on a smoker for their house in Arizona. <laughs> and I was, it's the like most expensive gift I've ever given. And I'm happy to buy it because it's mostly for me. <laughs> uh, more for me than it is for them. <laughs> I'm when I get there in like a month, I don't, I don't, I doubt they'll have bought it by then. So I'm going to end up being the one, um, figuring it out and everything and taking it on its maiden voyage probably. So that was definitely the, my favorite part of Christmas was <laughs> dropping a thousand bucks on a Kamado Joe <laughs> that I'm going to use one month a year. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. I will say like my folks have talked about getting a smoker. It seemed like that's what everyone got in their neighborhood over like last summer, just they just started popping up like crazy mm-hmm. because everyone was so bored. They didn't get on that train quite yet. They were they're moving out to North Carolina. I think that's probably where where we'll find a smoker in the star household for sure. I it's so much time. I don't know if I can commit to one having it and to uh, all the stuff involved with it, but you can. The one got, month a year you're there. I got nothing but time, baby. It's I can I can play two rounds of golf and still come home to a brisket and nobody's gonna have to do anything but me. Um <laughs> I can be away from it for seven hours and it gets even better. Well, like the thing for you is like you're an early riser. Uh typically work with you, you're able to start at six, right? So like what, getting mm-hmm. up, throwing some meat on on a smoker at five thirty. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, you're ready for that. And then Mm -hmm. you got the work, you got the rounds of golf. You're ready to lock and load. Yeah. 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 It's I'm living my best retired life, except still working while I'm out there, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, The thing I also did want to discuss, this is a little out of left field because it happened so long ago with signing day. Um, They did great things, great things in terms of how to learn about these high school kids coming to play football for Iowa, of which we're very thankful for. But they have like the, the three bands that are your favorite, the three people you want to eat dinner with. Yes, yada, I'm, yada, yada. I'm glad. I hope you're taking this to where I think you're taking it. And I think, because I was thinking about myself with this, because that's just how I am. But the one that still sticks out, I think, is is the man who had, like, Adam Sandler, Dave Chappelle, and it might have been, like, that Louisiana comedian, and he just wanted to have all these comedians together. I need to find them. I don't remember because they're really this good. one, no. Um, but what was the one you're thinking of? It has to be Wonkpa, and he had the only real honest dinner guest. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> And he chose Zendaya, <laughs> who I don't even know who who would you, who would she, who, she'd be the one of our generation. Like Lindsay Lohan, That's... except Zendaya's ten times nah. more famous. Like, uh, who would she be? No, who was as famous? It can fam- be Britney like, Spears, can it? I still think Zendaya is like a much bigger. How many followers does Zendaya have on Instagram? Isn't she in like top ten? Probably, or maybe for like as far as like American actresses go. Um, that, who, you're right, though. That was who would it be like Hannah Montana, one. like back pre oh, pre yeah. Miley Cyrus, or like when she was getting into Miley Cyrus, or I wanted to say like Hilary Duff, but Hilary Duff didn't last. Uh, I mean, I guess I have to go way way back because like. Party in the USA for Miley Cyrus came out my I was in sophomore college. year. Yeah. Yeah. Sophomore year of college. I remember that and jamming out to that so much. Have a dance to it. Yeah. Maybe. I think it's a good. Um, so that might be it. Yeah. Because she's she's roughly our age, plus or minus a, a little bit. But I, I still think that Zendaya. She well, takes it. I think she takes it. Like. And this is a, ta- a tangent on a tangent. Welcome right? to our Iowa football podcast. Yes, yeah. Uh, the new Spider-Man movie, one hundred percent. Like, just incredible. Like, you think it's a Spider-Man movie? No, it's a Zendaya vehicle. Just an incredible actor and a lot of fun. I I don't think this is a spoiler alert, but Christine and I went through all the Spider-Man movies. And all we have to say is we really appreciate how, like, the traumatization of MJ in those very early features. And and we have a list of ways in which she was traumatized that probably don't need to discuss. I've used that word too many times. Just happy that Zendaya's MJ is not put through the same ringer that Kirsten Dunst was. How many Spider-Man movies are there pre, not counting No Way Home? Um, it doesn't really matter, I guess. So this, I think, is probably up for a debate a little bit. I the don't think it three is, Tobey but... Maguire ones, okay. The two Andrew Garfield ones, okay. The two Tom Holland ones, and then depending on how you want to count the Avengers movies mm. that include mm. Tom mm. Holland, there are three of those. And how we watched all those. How many of those do you think I've seen, and which ones? I think you probably saw the first two Tobey Maguire ones. Because I think I've those seen, are the I've only seen all two three. I did. I've seen all three okay. Tobey Maguire's. The third one, there's, oh, well, have you not seen the, so the third one has the, the, there's a musical in the middle of it, right? Doesn't the bad guy break out in song and dance? It's like a weird um, montage with Tobey Maguire with turning music. heel a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it. One of the so ways in which that might have been my uh, unconscious decoupling. <laughs> that that I think I we just trace back my unconscious uncoupling of all superhero movies from my life. That's cause the first one was amazing. Green Goblin was an amazing yeah. villain. That was a that was a genuinely great movie. Mm-hmm. Who was the villain of the second one? I can't remember. 
something purple. It was Octavius. Yeah. The, yeah, the, 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 yes, the, the, those right, two are genuinely great. Who is Octavius? Villains. Alfred Molina is the actor who plays Octavius. Was that okay. your question? Yeah. Okay. And then the third thing is just like some is is Venom the villain in the third one? It's just some weird thing. So there's Venom. There's I now we watched them all so quickly. I have them all mixed <clears throat> around in my head. I think it's the Sandman. I think Sandman's I in there. I, it, I, I black. I mean, that, that that's the point. That's bad. Yeah, that's the point, though, right? Like, I'm. I, Willem Dafoe is an all-time villain, all time, and, and I think that that performance in Spider-Man stacks up with regards to that because this was before the villains were CGI'd, right? Like, I mean. How can you compare Josh Brolin as Thanos? Like the Green Goblin, like whatever special effects they did for him and his hoverboard and his, at the time, was like revolutionary. At Spider-Man at the time, it was, I mean, it goes to show you how time was a flat circle. These Marvel movies now are the highest grossing films of all time. Back then, Spider-Man, when the first one came out, that was the highest grossing film of all time. And it's probably made one-tenth of a percent of what Marvel (laughs) movies make today. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but, like, I think what made that one so good is, like, you can just visualize it a lot better. And it's, I mean, it's it's a crazy person. and Not crazy, but y- you know what I mean. It, it's an actual person that incites fear versus a computer, which, you know, th- there's something to say for, to say for Willem Dafoe in, in that respect. Because I... I still think he's as good as anyone. I mean, I love Willem Dafoe. He's great in American Psycho. He's a villain in a movie right now, and then like that circus movie, right? Um, oh, maybe. Oh. Well, who, who knows? So, so that that's the tangent on the tangent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, as I was thinking about myself for three favorite bands, because that's did the they ask that? That was one of them. We're like three okay. favorite musical artists. And I, I think I'm fully in dad rock territory because my three would be the national, the XX. Oh, and I had the third. I forgot the third. See, like I, I'm just so laser focused on those two that I can't even come up with a third. Uh, so out of touch with pop culture. I'm not ready to discuss my music tastes on this podcast. And I'm not sure okay. ever will be. Well, what, do you have three people you would invite to dinner off the top of your head? David Byrne, which is I home more related because I'm reading his book right now. <laughs> but just I realize how funny that is back to back. But I am reading his book, so I'd invite him. Unless to do, I do like the Talking Heads, I guess I'll admit that. But I'm not sure if I'd <clears throat> revere them. Um, I don't know somebody. I feel like somebody, I don't know. Um, I feel like we've asked each other this question before. I'd probably ask Brian Ferentz to the dinner table. Yes. And, yeah. That's yeah. What I, 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 it'd just be. <laughs> just stole your bit. <laughs> Brian, Brian, Brian Kirk and, Kirk and Ken O'Keefe. <laughs> no, Brian Kirk and a family therapist. And we just air grievances. That's, <laughs> that's the dinner. Yeah. Have have Dan Gable moderate, mediate the conversation. Oh yeah, I, I want to invite four people to dinner. I'm not taking part in it. I'm just setting them loose in a cage match. Yeah, that's exactly what I would do. Um, man, weird times because it's like, like, where is your head at with Iowa football? I, I think that maybe that's the the starting point here. Because it was not, there has never been a season easier for me to just move on. So listen to this. Like I'm, I'm watching the bowl, Citrus Bowl, at my college roommate's place in Minneapolis, and he has a, quite a few guys over, and uh, most of them are some of his high school friends. And I've met most of them. There's like two or three guys there who show up who I've never met before, which is fine, whatever, and. About you know, it's you learn pretty early on in the game that they are they had bet Kentucky like pretty heavily across the board. I'm not, mm. I don't think they did it out of spite, but as the game went on, you know, they were getting 
pretty rowdy with the outcome and everything. And had I have cared more and if like I wasn't as connected to that, you know, if there was more, more degrees of separation between us, between friendship, like I probably would have been, you know, a, a, a bigger asshole, you know, to them at the, at the game. And I, give you the set or during the game at the swatch party i give you and then we the game finishes whatever they're happy me me and then i'm there with my other um another college roommate too so all three of us went to iowa and you know we're all very none of us are very animated one way or the other about the game <laughs> and we all go out we go to the bars after minneapolis and everything tonight one of this guy one of the guys comes up to me and goes hey i'm gonna be honest we were pretty upset you guys weren't more upset about the outcome of the iowa game <laughs> And I was like, yes, that's the fucking point. Like we have, we won't let this ruin our lives because it, it, it already has, you know, you what's the, like the saying is you don't let a loss beat you twice. Um, yeah. For sports. And I've been beaten so many times already by an Iowa loss. Like they just can't do it again. It's all scar tissue. Incredible. Incredible. I do have a question though. Like, were they betting Kentucky money line? I guess if they were, or like Kentucky and the under, because it it ended. Iowa had covered right three point five. I don't even know. I didn't. I don't bet Iowa, so it's like, was it three point five? I I really don't even know. No, I don't think. I, I have no idea. That's the thing. I, so maybe yeah, they, I think what I, I think had they had bet. Was... They must have money by Kentucky. Maybe they're in a parlay or something. But yeah, I mean that's that's kind of where I am. It's just like. The way this season had played out for me, and like even how this off season is playing out, because we'll get to that. Like I missed all the departures with the things that happened. It's just playing out for Iowa to run back, darn near the exact same thing that they did this year, with some degree of success that they had this year. And it, this is something that's been talked about in our Slack ad nauseum. I would say. Iowa was probably what an eight win team that overperformed by two wins, honestly, by virtue of the opponents they caught, right? Like Indiana and Iowa state were two teams that I don't think there are very few people who had Iowa going two and oh, to start the season, they went two and oh, and those two teams ended up being pumpkins to, to borrow your phrase. I think the one game they won that they shouldn't have was the Minnesota game. And I hate how high I am on PJ Fleck in Minnesota right now. Um, I, I need to really seriously consider this because like I just, I, I had them beating West Virginia and I was very happy with, mm-hmm. with that, that wager. I, I, I could go, I went to sleep at halftime knowing that I, I had won that bet. Like, they that's a team who knows who they are and that's honestly just what I want from Iowa football uh from an offensive perspective um and so so I it's easy to take those two wins in hand that Iowa had that we weren't necessarily expecting and just move into the offseason it's a couple of things Yes. I mean, I agree with you on everything, but I want to push back on a, a couple of major points. Like, sure, Iowa did overperform maybe by two wins at the by two games. Um, they 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 absolutely underperformed in at least one game too, though. So, like, I think and and you yeah. know, arguably, you know, the Wisconsin game was an under underperformance too. So yeah. uh, there's that. And then I don't know how you can sit here and say Minnesota's the game they should have lost when Nebraska is right there for the taking oh, like Minnesota, you're, you're right. Minnesota, Iowa should have just won more handedly. I think like just not going through that, not going for that touchdown chicken, chicken shit. Nebraska needed a, yeah. a blocked punt and yeah. another interception yeah. to not come away with that win with a freshman with not Adrian Martinez starting like, come on. Uh, I agree. There is no way, you know, my favorite, thing the whole world is talking about how Kirk has never lost to Frost and Fleck and Campbell. Um there's no way that those three stay winless against Kirk going, you know, talking about going into next season. I'm not sure who it is, which team it is, 
Nebraska somehow is getting the best quarterbacks transferred. You know, everything changes. I think this is a conversation, not now, but maybe in a few moments. But, like, I'm as down as I was. I can be. I'm with you, barring something drastically changing at the quarterback position. And I, I, I just don't see a transfer coming. You know, that could happen. But no. if it hasn't happened by now, I mean, the clock's ticking on that. And it's like, yeah, we, we've learned – Dane Belton's leaving, which yeah, smart, good for him. Riley Moss is coming back. I can't believe that. Um, Neither can I. Who are we losing? Kyler Shot is that the offensive lineman? Who? Yeah, a little bit surprising, but also not backbreaking. Still haven't. I mean, Linderbaum's got to be gone, but we still technically haven't heard from him. Um, the running game about you know talk about Kentucky. That's what you would have wanted to see this year to help out a really struggling quarterback, right? The one-two punch of the Williamses. Um, nice sneak peek for next year, I guess. Uh, I think there's some fodder Laporta might be leaving or declaring. I- I'm not sure about that. I think he could go and have a pretty incredible season as a number one wide receiver, as a number one receiving threat next year. Unless you know, uh, it-, it feels dumb with Keegan Johnson and Arlen Bruce and potentially Charlie Jones coming back. But like, uh, Laporta is clearly Petrus's favorite guy. And so he can rack, he'll be able to rack up the rack up stats next year. I, and then the defense, you know, it's going to be the defense. It's only going to get better. I don't think any defensive linemen leave, right? Jack Campbell might be coming back. Um, and then they, somebody really good as we play is going to be replacing Dane Belton, either Wonkpa. I sneaky think Riley Moss should try out at freaking cash. Like, why not? You you mentioned a lot of things, and I think I'm going to start with where you finished in terms of the defense being the defense. Found money with the defensive line. Like, you, you didn't even mention that. No one, Well, you did. You said no one's leaving. Ben Valkenberg is. That's the, the big oh, loss. Yeah. But, yeah, that is that is a big loss. And also, just before, sorry not to push back, but like, I rewatched the bowl game in a, in a more controlled setting on Monday, and and I said this in the Slack, it was, it's even more frustrating when you're able to fast yeah. forward through the commercials. Iowa had seven sacks, like the momentum that the Iowa's defensive line was building in the second quarter with back to back to back sacks on three consecutive drives. Like I can't believe Iowa lost that game. And I tried to look up stats of teams that won games for their sacks seven times, but I just couldn't figure it out. That one's hard. Mm-hmm. It, sometimes it's hard to, to, to figure out those stats. Um, but like the, de- the so so when we look at the defense next year, like I, I'm kind of with you. I don't think they do. But like what you saw with Riley Moss against Kentucky was they moved him around with Wandale Robinson, and I think that I liked it. Like personally, I mean, just, I didn't like that it didn't work. Right, I like that Iowa saw that. Robinson was the number one threat in the past game and put their best corner on him. And to Robinson's credit and to Levi's credit, they made those throws and catches and it was brutal. Um, but I appreciated that. Um, and maybe that's part of where Moss thinks that one by being a hundred percent healthy this time next year, he can, make money by virtue of being straight line athletic and make some of those plays in a one-on-one setting that he didn't necessarily um, on during the bowl game. The The thing about Belton though is like Iowa and Kerner, I guess, but Iowa brings back Merriweather, Moss and Harris and Roberts. And I just, the embarrassment of riches that the defensive backfield has is incredible. And it'd be like, it, it truly would be like, okay, is there, is the defensive backfield got five or six of the best 11 players on the defensive side of the ball? And they don't because Justin Jacobs and Jack Campbell still exist. But the ability to have that type of depth allows you to weather injuries to two of your, three of your top four defensive backs like or cornerbacks like Iowa had to this year um so I'm with you the defense is gonna 
give Ferentz all the the confidence, whether it's deserved or not, to run an offense like he did. And this is where I get to how much of what happened against Kentucky is translatable. Because I, I know the the discussion, I'm I'm prone to this kind of hyperbole, I'll say, that well the Williamses are downhill runners. Goodson wasn't. That's good. There's there's no reason to think that Tyler Goodson wouldn't necessarily have made eighty to ninety percent of the runs that that the Williamses did while being a bigger play threat. I think from fifteen to twenty five yards, the Williamses are not in the same category as Goodson, and Goodson was able to turn a lot of those like one on one situations and setting up downfield blocks into home run type of plays. And I think there are a couple times where Iowa really missed that elite wide receiver blocker. And <laughs> I don't know where that person comes from. Is it Jackson Ritter? It probably is. We're, I, I, I fear we're going to see a lot of Jackson Ritter next year. But that's beside the point. I think the the way this team is stylistically set up is to be an amped up version of kind of that 2016 team. And hopefully it doesn't include a loss to South Dakota state, but um, the schedule's brutal. Ohio state, Michigan. Um, I'll be real pleased with eight wins, especially if it's, it looks like kind of the t- Kentucky game, but also that's the criticism, right? Is like the offense looked and felt, a lot better against Kentucky, but it still only scored 17 points. And like, that's where the rubber meets the road with the one and only Brian Ferentz. You get Minnesota, Michigan, Purdue, and at at Minnesota and at Ohio State four weeks in a row. No buys in there. And it's funny, you look at Michigan, Purdue, Ohio State of those three teams who has Iowa beaten most recently. Purdue, I think, but but I yeah, was Purdue. coming off. I was coming <laughs> off of a win only against one of them. And it's Ohio State, um, <laughs> which says more about how frequently we play Ohio State than anything. I think, but the, besides the point, next year's schedule it was like, yeah, next year's schedule is brutal. I mean, Nevada isn't going to be that's who, what's our second out of, out of or our final non-con game, and. Mm-hmm. That comes a week before at Minnesota, so like Nevada's no sleeper either. I mean, and then you, before that, you get out Iowa State, so you have those six games in a row before a bye, and then SDSU, like you said, to kick off the season. It's like this is probably the hardest beginning six games I can remember from an for an Iowa team, and you know it's not great usually because I was there's a hallmark of Iowa plays its best football at the end of the year, but it's like last year. Don't you think I would probably play its best football beginning of the year because you have that magical number two <laughs> when the when you don't have the sample size <laughs> to grow any larger for maybe people are finally right about Iowa's uh, interception rate. Well, except also not really. Um, I don't know. I just like you see Iowa getting better and the results getting worse. It's just going to be very frustrating and people aren't really going to be able to identify that. And um, I guess, like, can Brian and Kirk survive two years in a row of absolute, I mean, more than two years in a row, but two years in a row of having, like, truly special team or two, you know, two really good teams. I was num- good enough to get ranked number two this year. Like, the next year's team yeah. is not getting anywhere close enough to sniff that. And can they, can Brian survive I have nothing to believe his team is going to finish above 138th in FBS for offense. So <laughs> can he survive two years in a row in the hundreds, in the 120s for offense? I don't know if he can, especially when you have the talent that this Iowa defense is going to have. When you have the talent, Keegan, Keegan Johnson and Arlen Bruce and the two Williamses are going to get theirs. Whoever, whichever the third wide receiver Iowa lines up this year, Sam Laporta is definitely going to get his, or whichever yeah. number one tight end we have. But 
there's going to be the questions around the quarterback and the surrounding offense, the way that these guys get the ball. And when you see that talent, I, I'm not sure if – I know he's still Kirk's son. I've got nothing to believe, make me believe that he, he'd be gone. But uh, really, I don't think it's really crazy, though, to say that Brian's on the hot seat next year. Yeah, I 100% agree. And, like, as we – I kind of sit back and think about the season at large and – what he did well and what he didn't do well. I mean, short list for that first one. Right. But like, I think down the stretch, he made a much more concerted effort to get Sam Laporte to the ball in ways that led to yards after the catch. And frankly, you look at that, the the stats he put up against um, Michigan and Kentucky it, it, I think both were hundred yard games. Sorry, I don't have his his full stats up. Kentucky I was. His... I think he had like one seventeen in Kentucky, Michigan. I'm not positive. Yeah, so uh, he was I, our whole I'm offense in the second half of the Kentucky game. He had a huge third quarter. Yeah. Okay. So six six catches, sixty two yards against Michigan. Um, three catches, sixty yards against Nebraska, and then seven one twenty two against Kentucky. You look at those three games, and it's like. Why wasn't Iowa doing this all year? Because the the comparison I have, and it's very easy to make. I'm not going to lie like it's... Brian's oh, never underused an NFL caliber tight end before, though, so give him credit there. He gets a break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, see, I see the dry humor there. Yeah. Um, that make, I mean, catches and- now I'm even angrier. Thing, like yeah, making, that dry, making that dry quip, but now it's like, wow, that's really freaking true. He had 53 catches in 14 games. Charlie Kohler for Iowa State had 62 catches in 12 games. I was going to say, ideally, you want, you know, you would like him near 70 feels like a lot, but I feel like ideally you want him as close to that 70 number as possible, right? It's a ton for your tight end. Uh, you're exactly right about that, but like, if he's your best player, isn't that – I can't remember if we've discussed this on the pod, but, like, this is the difference between, like, Fran McCaffrey building an offense and Iowa football building an offense. And Fran always figures out who his best player is and constructs that offense entirely around that person's skill set. The flip side – I mean, it's only five catches a game when you break it down. It is only five. It, it, it is. And it's also a 14-game schedule, I'm counting, but yeah. But to your, to your point, if you're, if you're getting him the ball as much as Charlie Kohler got the ball for Iowa State, that's 17 more catches that Laporta probably should have had at five. Five a game. They throw the ball more, fine, whatever. Like I, I understand some of that. But like looking back at like what worked well, it's incredible that Iowa didn't do this more. Like Laporta had a couple goose egg games, one against zero against Illinois, one against Penn State, one against Iowa State. And man, I mean, there there are a fair amount of like three possess, but that's kind of where I get back to is like clearly he could figure out how to build an offense around him, and it still struggled ad nauseum. Now. Can cannot can he withstand two really bad offenses in a row? No, I mean like I, I think, and I hesitate to hyper discuss this, but JP had mentioned in the Slack that like the rumor mill seems to be going from call it a sub whisper to now probably a little bit more of a whisper about Brian maybe looking to go to the NFL. And really, that's the, that's the only move for him to go be a tight ender, offensive line coach, and then rebuild his career from that perspective. Because it's hard to envision him from a five-year plan perspective being a Division One head coach without getting out of the Iowa ecosystem. And I think that's ultimately, if we're talking about Brian's career... 
that's the move he has to make or else he's going to be a wanderer um, for for the bulk of it. The cynic in me says that like Brian would be an idiot to leave Iowa on his own. Um, I just, I, I simply just don't see it happening. And the biggest issue is if Brian leaves, what makes you think who are going to get to replace him is any better? Which it's like now, <laughs> now right. I think now I think sounds a little um, really, really whiny. I guess it's like, oh, you were you've been bitching about him this whole time, and now you're mad that they got rid of him. But it's like, <laughs> I mean, you you listen. I'll say it. You love Greg Davis. Just admit it. And Me? yes. Yeah. <laughs> And so it's like <laughs> you're never you're whoever that you get to install like they're gonna they're gonna get Greg Davis White Greg Davis 2.0 to replace some guy like I don't think they'd put Ken O'Keefe back there but like I, like who I just have no faith in Kirk Ferentz and the, whoever else it's I feel like it's a one man band choosing the offensive coordinator it's Kirk yeah. he's he's alone in those job interviews. Yes. I can just imagine Gary Barta smoking a cigarette behind a two-way mirror <laughs> as Kirk interviews this guy. <laughs> uh, uh, um, yeah. And or is it a one-way mirror? I don't know. Um, two, but I know what you're saying. But, yeah. but it's like I, I don't. I, 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 I believe the offense is Kirk Ferentz, and if Brian can't crack that egg. <laughs> The next guy can't won't be able to either. Okay, so you put words into my mouth about loving Greg Davis. I confirmed it. Here's ultimately why, though. The logic of what he was trying to build made sense. He said, I want to spread out the offense horizontally so that it can open up run lanes. Did that always work? No. But at least there was like that connective tissue of Here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to execute to it. And we'll have some really good years. And Brian was a key component of this. Like, I I want to be clear about it. Like, Iowa's run game from a yardage and individual performances standpoint, it improved when he became run game coordinator in 2015. And that's why, like, I come back to your point that you made. Can Iowa get someone better? No. Iowa cannot because the three people who have been offensive coordinator under Kirk Ferentz were the guy who gave him his very first job out of college, more or less in Ken O'Keefe, Greg Davis, who was hired after Brian was hired as offensive line coach, clearly a babysitter situation and Kirk Ferentz's son. Those are the three people who have been offensive coordinator under Kirk Ferentz. The tree is not going to grow any more limbs. So I, Brian just has to be better is really what it comes down to. And Kirk has to realize that he's putting his son in a position where there is a very serious ceiling on Brian's career as a result of the last five very up and down years. And there have been good moments, right? Like they got over 30 points per game in 2018, did again in 2020, asterisk all you want, I, I, I think. It's fair to debate, but like it happened. I only need to get back to that. And they can't, the offense can't be the reason Iowa lost in 100% of Iowa's losses next year because more or less that's what the issue was. Like you can say the defense is an issue in a loss when Iowa loses, like you, the one that always sticks out is the Purdue game from like, 2018 I think where it was 35 to 38 that's on the defense but when every one of your losses you've scored less than 20 points that's an offense problem is that true this year yeah I mean three 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 okay and 17 yeah uh, yes I mean everything you said is right and it's like I, I was hesitant to bring up this guy's name because he's literally been brought up since I was a student, as being an offensive coach, you know what I'm going to say? It's, it's this guy named David Rye, who, was, oh, who you thought I was going to say somebody yeah. else. Uh, who do yep. you think I was going to say? 
No, no, that's that's who I thought. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it's been that long though. He's been like he was like I think he was a wide receivers coach for the Packers when when we were yeah. in college, and it was when okay the Packers had like Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams on the team there. They had like just the craziest pass offense of all time. So maybe let's I can him to like what the Joe Brady of the Packers. Yeah. Um, when Joe Brady was on LSU for in 2019, and. So now he what he got fired from Vanderbilt a couple days yeah. ago. So like, all right, M- mutual decision allegedly. I mean, I don't know enough you about can't, Vanderbilt you can't football. Me, I quit. Yeah, I don't know enough about Vanderbilt football, but it's like you want. <laughs> I was out next offensive coordinator to be some guy who got fired from Vanderbilt. Like okay, and like after that, I don't even know where to start. And it's like when nobody saw the Greg Davis hire coming. So, or it's like. So again, we're not going to know where this one's coming from, right? Yeah, Unless that's he, why, like, like the only one that would make sense is like he gets Tim Polasek back, or not make sense, uh, but like the only yeah. one that wouldn't be that wouldn't be a shock is what I'm saying or a big surprise. And like I'm, I don't even know how his offense did this year. I'm going to look it up right now while you talk. They went yeah. So I think that to me. If the Iowa offense is going to improve in a statistical and stylistic manner, just statistical and aesthetical aesthetic manner, it's going to come from within. And to me, the decision is obvious. It's running back what worked before, and it's not necessarily one for one what worked before, but it's giving Kelton Copeland the reins for the pass game offense and developing. Mm. <laughs> a, a structure that marries with the type of run offense that Iowa wants to have. And, and I think that that's why it worked with Davis and, and Ference in 2015 and 2016 is because there was the overarching thing that Kirk wants to do. There's the things that Davis is more or less married to. And then there are the pieces that can kind of be tinkered with enough. And I think the thing you see way too often in Iowa football games, and it did change a little bit against Kentucky, but way too often is a lack of ability to find and hit receivers who are wide, wide, wide open. Like, I mean, I, I didn't watch the Rose Bowl. I, I had given up on football that day. But I saw enough of the highlights that players from both teams were streaking open all the time. And Iowa has that every now and then. And they've built an offense to be like a five to seven play a game offense. And when you're constricting yourself to that few plays, which are Thad has referred to them as trick plays, when you're constricting your offense to five to seven plays, you need to be 100% on them. And for a player like Spencer Petrus, who's an average quarterback, misses some really open guys, and when those are the two to three plays that he needs to hit and he doesn't, you're putting yourself in a world of hurt as it pertains to maximizing or coming close to as good as the offense can be simply because you're just, it's something I say about college basketball all the time. Like you just got to get to the tournament every year bites at the apple. I was not giving themselves enough bites at the apple in the offense to where they can sustain really bad throws. Um, and, and I don't know if it ever changes just because it's not within Kirk to, be a gambler. Cause like you have to commit to something like that. That's how jaded I am. Maybe we are when I wouldn't even consider an internal promotion to offensive coordinator. When you mentioned like Kellen Copeland, I would love for him to take the reins. Kellen Copeland, maybe, I mean, not yet, but like if Liddell, like in a couple, give me more, a couple more years for Liddell, like Liddell bats, maybe, or, um, you know, oh, some- it, it, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think, I, I don't know who the offensive coordinator would be if Brian left. It would probably right. be Ken O'Keefe. And, and it would I be think like, so oh, too. okay. But it's like, yeah. I didn't even consider I, like yeah. Iowa promoting from within for that job because it just feels like something 
that doesn't happen just because Phil, like LeVar Woods is the only person I can really think of because there's nowhere else to, there's nowhere, there's no upward mobility unless you're blood related. Um, just nepotism, just reeking. I, I want, I looked this up. Wyoming was eighth in the Mountain West in offense this year. They scored 25 points yeah. a game, which is, I think the number Iowa 2015 scored was 25 points. Or no, wasn't it 30? I don't, I, 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 so. I was close to 30. It was closer to 30. Yeah. I think it's 30. And that's the last time Iowa came close to scoring 30 points a game was with your best friend, Greg Davis. Um, you're right. I mean, the it's tough to assign blame for the Citrus Bowl loss squarely at Spencer Petrus's feet. But at the same time, it's really, I think it's really easy to make the argument too, because like you said, you only ask him to hit a play five times in one game. If he misses three of those, four of those chances, then yeah, I, I guess if he can't even do that, then what are we doing here? Yeah, and like like I said though, like this is where it's the marriage between the sister wife marriage or whatever, but between Kirk Ferentz's structure, which is mitigating risk, which I think is why you don't see Iowa continually take shots. Brian Ferentz and the play calling, design, and execution, or play calling and design, and I think he's shown enough skill there. To be like, okay, like we kind of get it, but at the end of the day, as you said before, what percentage of his highlight reel is still going back to that twenty-seven Ohio State game? Still a lot of it, and then the quarterback and receivers, and because that's ultimately where the problem is, being able to connect on them. And I, I don't want to belabor kind of the what happened with. Spencer Petrus post game and saying that fans are surly. I, I guess this is our version of being correct about uh, fights happening in Kinnick because I just think people just don't know how to behave in public. I, I think that's, or they know how to behave and they've decided that they're just not going to behave anymore. I, I think that's ultimately what it comes down to, but I don't really want to talk about that all that much. It just goes back to what Petra said is what I said to you on this la- either the last podcast or two podcasts ago. And I haven't stopped thinking about it. I think I, I probably owe it to the site to write about it. Was what did Kirk Ferentz say after the Penn State game? Oh, yes. Iowa fans yes. weren't dumb that they smell rat. Well, Spencer Petrus is learning too now that Iowa fans aren't dumb. And sorry that you're not 65 years old and a multimillionaire, Spencer. But like you answer to the same God um, and it's us. Yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned this point to you and I think it's, it's just interesting because I, is there an Iowa player? Let, let me rephrase you go back through kind of the the recent history of Iowa players across all sports. And there is very real debates about the likability of basketball players that college football players don't aren't privy to. And it's for a number of reasons. It's because there are 10 guys out on the court versus 22 at a time cycling through they appreciate an anonymity football players, quarterbacks less so, but football players in general appreciate an an anonymity that basketball players don't have. So Jordan Bohannon, Connor McCaffrey, Brad Davison, as I mentioned a little earlier, these are all players that have their proponents and detractors within fan bases that football players just necessarily don't have. And I think, Part of what's happened over the course of the last five years, I think the professionalization of college football, but specifically in a state like Iowa where the pro teams are the college teams. And pro games are ugly places to be at times. Like you read Drew McGarry's 32 
st- when he goes through every single why your team, team sucks. Why your team sucks. Thank you. No one likes their fans. And I think that that's seeping into Iowa sports a little bit. Is gambling the reason? Maybe. D- just, it, it is, there are a lot of different reasons, I think. But ultimately, I think people just have decided that they're, that they're not going to have a filter, especially at like some of these games. And I'm not here to tell people how to behave. I've been bad at games before, but I, I don't think Spencer Petrus made the target smaller by what he did. And, and I think that that's really all I can say. Um, just because, I understand that college football players, they put so much work into it. They care about it thousands of times over what fans do. But I I don't think you can... You just have to learn to deal with the trolls a little different way. And like Jordan Bohan and decide to be be a heel. Um, And I think that, you know, maybe that works a little better in basketball versus football. I think the answer is as simple as, you know, football players wear a mask. And uh, yeah. you know, they wear helmets and basketball players don't like without question, the most recognizable athletes on campus when I was there were, was Devin Marble and Zach McCabe. <laughs> Mostly, you know, <laughs> also because like, I think basketball players were, were just more social too. You know, it may be different on different campuses, but you definitely, you saw them out at bars uh, and, you know, just uh, more often than football players where it's like, you could just tell somebody was a football player by looking at them, but you just didn't, you really didn't know who. Um, yeah. And also like, I didn't go to, I wasn't at Iowa at a time where I guess there was really great, you know, Mark Wiseman for four weeks <laughs> was probably the most famous football <laughs> player on campus uh, yeah. during my time there. Um, so yeah, I, I guess Petrus just getting frustrated is, inevitable i mean he's not an idiot yeah um and you just have to learn you gotta play better to cope with it or learn to cope with it i guess yeah i mean like like i said i think you have to you can't be concerned about what first name last initial four digits says about you like Mm -hmm. you just can't and I, I think this is something you said before on this podcast. A lion does not concern themselves with the opinions of sheep. And that's kind of the first thing I thought of when I heard that. Like It's like, also, like, Petrus isn't even the most criticized Iowa quarterback I can remember. Maybe he is. But it's like, James Vandenberg. Yeah. He got a lot of shit. And none of it, like, it was less his fault than Petrus's in some ways because... yes. The, the, I can't remember who the backup was to Vandenberg at the time, or um, but it's like Vandenberg got every single snap, so nobody got to yeah. see what was behind door number two um, when he was here, and so he like whereas Petrus can kind of, like he obviously can't say it, but it's like all right, but like let me ask you, do you think the outcome changes if Padilla plays in the Citrus Bowl? I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I ultimately think that Iowa probably finds a way to shoot themselves exactly. in the foot. So, so if it's, if it's a Rudox CJB situation, that's one thing. But it's, you know, it, it's a much tougher. It's, I mean, for I can't imagine how Petrus would be, be getting criticized if Padilla was like even slightly better than what he's been showing. Like, really, I think even a, a whisper. Like even a five percent better completion percentage would do wonders for Padilla and make yeah. Petrus's job that much harder, but that's not true. That's not the case, and so we're stuck in a lose lose situation, and somebody's holding the bag, and of course it's the quarterback. That's part of his job. I mean, is this something? This is certainly something that I thought. To me, I just any Iowa quarterback. It's just, it, it's an endeavor that doesn't have quite the payoff um, that you see happen at a lot of different places for, for the quarterback, just because for the last uh, 
for a long time, Iowa wins have come in spite of quarterback play. And I think when those wins turn into... That's not that true, loss, though. It really isn't, though. It's not I mean, that like, true. Nate Stanley... I mean, Nate Stanley kind of... Stanley was... He did lose a lot, a lot of games, but he did win a lot of games, too. And then C.J. Beathard wasn't that long ago, which is probably what makes it the most frustrating, is because yeah. memories are still relatively fresh of 2015. You know, the further and further we get away from it, I guess, it'll be tougher to say, but it's like that happened that isn't that long like that's before Rick, ricky stan or after ricky stanza you know it's not that long ago and this offense isn't any different like can you imagine if i went cj bethard this year yeah i mean that that's a good point if they had yeah. him in 2018 like that's the frustrating thing it's like it'd be one thing if like we're talking about stanzi now it's like okay stanzi was 10 12 years ago so yeah okay get over it that that's fair you're CJ is still in the league. A lot of wins, a lot of plays. CJ is a heart, heartbeat away from being a starting quarterback for the worst team in the NFL. So, like, it's it's possible. Like, things are possible. You're right. You're right. I mean, like you said, sometimes it just comes – that's the, the job of the court. Where I was going, it's like, I, I just think, like, Iowa quarterbacks, why? Like, I mean – that's my question to them. I think both Petrus and Padilla, I think there is a scenario, maybe not, but like, I could, why wouldn't Spencer Petrus leave? I, because he has the job that that's why, but like, do you really want to put up with this again? And my guess is that fans are not, Iowa fans aren't, what is it? It's, oh, why can't I think of the economics term? College football fans suck. Laugh or curve. Speaking as a college football fan. Yeah, like, so you go to any college and he's probably going to be maligned in some respect. Um, like, and that, that that's the other piece is like the grass is always greener from a, an offensive coordinator standpoint, as you mentioned earlier. And I think as a quarterback standpoint, like we'd love a quarterback who actually could come in and, you know, complete 65% of their passes on the season. But some of it comes down to the offense Iowa runs and a number of different things. So I don't know. We, we talked about this for 10 minutes. I didn't really want to touch on it, but you never know. I, like, I just don't know how you can concern yourself with, with those types of opinions. Like it's just, yeah, I, I can't, I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves either. And I super wouldn't be surprised if Padilla leaves too. I mean, like it's a thankless job. Um, I wouldn't want, want to put up with this shit. And, well, what what's going on, Ben? I, I see you have something noodling around in, in the noggin. I, I made a game. It's semi-related to this. Oh yes, during during a yes, fever yes, dream, yes. and I'm kind of forgetting the rules because it's like I we couldn't. I got it when I was sick. We couldn't pod last week because I was sick, and so now I'm just looking at a legal pad of this game, and what okay. I think the original rules were were there's three doors, and I'm going to give you. And each, behind each door is two things that happen. I'll tell you the first thing that happens, but not the second thing. Okay. Get it? So I'll tell you what's behind the first curtain of door number one, and then there's a room behind door number one, too, that I'm not going to tell you about. Um, okay. Basically, I'm going to give you a scenario, and you have to tell me okay. your confidence in what's going to happen with the Iowa football season if these happen. So behind door number one, I'll let you – Pick which door you want to choose. Here's three scenarios, and then your choosing is going to set off a reaction. So behind, oh, okay, okay, behind, yeah, it's really, right. I can't articulate this any better. Behind door number one, <clears throat> Padilla transfers or leaves. Either one. Behind door number two, both Padilla and Petrus stay. And behind door number three, Petrus and Padilla both leave. So let's just choose your own adventure. To me, by far the most interesting one is if both Petrus and Padilla leave. Okay, then here's the reaction. Is that what is that what is that what you would have chosen? 
Um, well, yeah, probably. Let's, let's go to probably the reaction. Is. So okay. the reaction okay. is, and now I'm reading this. This isn't true now because I wrote this before everybody said their intentions, but Petrus and Pedia leave, but everybody sends Linderbaum stays. So oh, we'd be okay. keeping Belton and I guess his, and shot, 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 I guess, which whatever. And then Campbell Laporta. Okay. And then the, this is one of the third tier, I guess is, and then a QB is brought in to compete because that has to happen. If Padilla and Petrus both leave, I, I was going to Iowa Western community college for a quarterback. Yep. Like I'm telling or they're going to, what is the one in uh last chance you, whatever, whatever school that is they're going to. But and then, but because of this, there's a grab bag too, and you get to choose one of these three okay, outcomes okay. too. Brian becomes rum game coordinator, Ken O'Keefe retires, and a new offensive coordinator is brought in. Okay, Kirk retires, Brian becomes the head coach, and hires an offensive <laughs> coordinator. <laughs> or the third. And I don't know why this is an option, but it's just there to kick you in the dick. It's LeVar Woods leaves and then nothing else. Oh, I I want nothing about LeVar leaving. Um, give me I, the first one. I where, think if LeVar Woods demoted, I think LeVar Woods leaving is worse. Like it's such an indictment on the program, even a bigger indictment of both your, of your first <laughs> and second. Right, so like I, I was thinking about this, like, are you keeping up at all with like the mess that's going on with Hawaii? Like the mass defection, of players gently yeah yeah i don't want to get too much into it but todd graham's like basically openly saying how much he hates his job and they can't afford to buy him out because it's hawaii the players are comparing literally comparing him to satan in in depositions like they're at the state courthouse with the um supreme what is it called state senate there's the state senate of hawaii uh, deposing or, you know, uh, what's the word, testifying against Todd Graham. And it's like, I feel like if, if I was, if, if let's say any other programs, first and second quarterbacks left, it'd be like a huge deal on the ESPN ticker. Yeah. If it happened at Iowa, I don't think anybody outside of the state would know. They wouldn't talk about it at ESPN. They wouldn't talk about it. There wouldn't, there'd be a, there wouldn't be a blog about it. It's, I don't know what a sports blog anymore, but like, it wouldn't be talked about. Whereas like if it happened at, even at Minnesota, like they'd find a way to talk about it for with like PJ Fleck or Matt Campbell, if it happened to him, like that could happen. It won't happen. But like if Brock Purdy and then the guy, um, Oh, and Deckers and, De- and actually didn't Deckers and Oh no, he didn't announce, but if, if Purdy's staying Deckers will announce probably. Right. That. So, that is the the weird hypothetical. But I, whatever, that's not but, that's unimportant. But yeah, but it's like so. Like, can you imagine if like Purdue, if like all three of Purdue's quarterbacks this year yeah. left, like if if Wisconsin, if and even like Graham Mertz and like Vanderwerf or whatever were both to leave, like it'd be a big deal. At Iowa, it's not a big deal. Not, maybe it's because they're not very good. But like at the same time, too, quarterback A and B leaving is a huge freaking deal for any program. And. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but and now we're going to talk into an existence, but saying that that's something we kind of want to happen is crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't know that I, I think it's the most interesting. And, and I guess here's, here's where I come back to where Iowa football is just in the grand landscape of sports, because this is ultimately your point. I don't want to relitigate the Doyle stuff, but him leaving was a huge 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 local story small national story he goes to the nfl that is when it becomes a big national story and it just iowa we get so wrapped up in iowa sports and i think a lot of fans do it's it's the sun for us well, it's a big. A, it, it became a big deal in Jacksonville because former Iowa players are texting Meyer on, too, yeah, and Meyer too actually compounds it. Like, um, I think CJ is actually the only Hawkeye on the Jags, so I, I don't know. He probably is a big Doyle fan, but uh, <laughs> but I don't know. But so you know, you've got you know, there's 30 Hawkeyes in the NFL, so you know, you got them texting their friends that are on the Jags, former teammates, probably, and. Telling them, yo, this guy maybe did this, this, that, and the other thing. At while well, I was at Iowa, like look out for him. They're hearing those stories, 
And like, I mean, look at, I think it was like Marcus Williamson was dragging or uh, Urban Meyer through the mud, you know, a couple weeks ago for stuff he did at Ohio State. So it's like, that stuff doesn't leave. When you get NFL players speaking to an NFL reporter in a locker room or off the record in texts, and then that goes into the athletic, that's how things happen. And like, it's funny you say that though. It's like, I was one of like only 18 teams that the athletic has a dedicated beat reporter to now. Just so ha- I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna stop and start that conversation, or I'm gonna stop that conversation there. But it's like, you know, uh, I think that makes my point even greater about just what a vacuum um, Iowa is from a media standpoint. Just yeah, I think no. that, like you said, I think that this is probably worth a true like off season podcast, is because I think it's it's an interesting discussion to to have that we've already had what probably tip of the iceberg maybe it isn't as deep as we think but I I ultimately think that Iowa sports is it's national but it's not like to your point um so that that's a a weird button button for that one um I guess just kind of wrapping up Ben is there any anything you you want to discuss as we move forward we'll probably be a little more focused on basketball to, to to be fair but Considering how much happened, it seemed like just shooting the breeze about Iowa football was was the way to go. Yeah, I wish basketball was a little bit better. That Wisconsin game really sucked. I feel really bad yeah. for Keegan Murray and everybody else in that team. I just wish they had a true center. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's that's a discussion. I want to get into some of the analytics as we head into. Uh, kind of the the buy couple of days and and if I can get something up for that that'll be be interesting but I'm with you uh, Iowa needs to be better positionally sound as a rebounding unit and hopefully hopefully they have some of the people that can do it but I like Robracha like I mean I like Robracha I'm gonna just be on Robracha Island like I like Robracha I'd love him if he was five inches taller <laughs> yeah yeah for sure, for sure. All right, Ben, it was a pleasure talking with you as always. Uh, any anything uh, smarmy to add as we as we close off? Brad Davidson's going to hell. There it is. Mm-hmm.